Stokes and welcome to Strategy Bites. I am the co-founder of Oak Tree Talent Group, a specialist strategy and transformation recruitment agency. Strategy Bites is a compilation of career stories and insights from the market's most experienced executives. Many have gained their strategy toolkit from management consulting. In each episode, we ask the best of the industry's talent to share the highs and lows of their careers and the best bits of advice they've ever been given. They will give us a glimpse of what their day-to-day lives look like now, warts and all. Our aim is to give inspiration to the ambitious strategists out there and give them an understanding of what is possible. In each episode, we will ask guests for a read, watch or listen to recommendation and a quote or value that they live their lives by. So welcome to episode nine of the Strategy Bites podcast. So I recently asked you guys who you want to be hearing from, and a number of you contacted me to suggest they'd love to be hearing from more tech-related businesses, more innovative businesses, mid-sized businesses. Well, today I have just the thing for you, and I'm really pleased to be able to welcome Ryan Cole, VP of Strategy and Corporate Development at Appen. Welcome, Ryan Cole, VP of Corporate Strategy and sorry, Strategy and Corporate Development at Appen. Ryan, Happy New Year, and thank you for joining me on the very first Strategy Bites podcast of 2021. Thanks, Annika. Great to be here. Um, Ryan, would you mind just giving us a bit of an overview of your background to start with? Uh, Yeah, sure. So I'm an engineer by training, so I started out building mobile phone networks um, here in Australia and a bunch of different places around the world. Um, I did my MBA at NYU and post that got into um, management consulting with BCG. I was there for about four years doing a, a series of tech and telco related work. Then I joined Telstra in strategy and then operations roles. And then most recently uh, working with Appen, as, as you mentioned. Excellent. Thank you so, so much. So obviously you had a career before BCG, both in the US and Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, that was in telco and big data still though, was it? Yeah, that's right. Can you just give me a bit more information about what that career looked like back then? <laughs> Yeah, sure. So um, it was at a time when 3G was launching. Um, Seems like a long time ago talking about 3G. Um, And my role was to to build and optimize mobile phone networks. Um, So there was a huge amount of data coming through around the performance of networks. So it was a very analytical uh, focused effort um, with really an optimization mindset around how you tune parameters and and optimize um, the network and the experience for customers. And the big data side, um, I ended up joining a, a French startup who had a very innovative way to capture and present data on the network. So it was quite technical, but a, a very um, novel and interesting approach. So back then, what prompted the decision to go then into a top tier consulting firm like BCG? Mm-hmm. So I always enjoyed um, thinking about the bigger question. So, you know, why is the company that I'm working for investing in a certain way? Um, you know, how can we improve things? And there was, a, there was a level of me or part of me which wanted more than just that engineering focus. I wanted to be part of those bigger conversations. And that was really the drive to get into management consulting. So do you think going to BCG at that time, did you actually get what you intended to get, Matt? And sort of what skills did you learn there that you may not have otherwise learned? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think going in, I wasn't really sure what I was going to get, to, to be honest. Um, but looking backwards, I think that the biggest things that I really picked up was 
um, being able to tell the story and influence through a data-driven story. So creating that narrative and taking people on the journey to, to get them to a conclusion and a, and a set of recommendations. So that was probably learning, um, you know, the big takeaway. The second was just sharpening, um, I think, that analytical and the presentation rigour. So mm. making sure that there's no loose ends, there's no distractions when you're presenting that there's small mistakes here and there where you can, you know, lose some lose a bit of credibility. I think in a in a pre-consulting world, you can almost get away with that and there's no one to really hammer that into you, that, that level of perfection. So that was a really, um, looking back, I can say it was rewarding. <laughs> Maybe at the time at 2 a.m. it wasn't. No, exactly. And of course, you were a project leader at BCG when I approached mm -hmm. you about um, a GM strategy role at Telstra. Yep. I think that was maybe six or seven years ago now. Um, mm -hmm. Let time go. Um, but thinking back um, back then, what were the key reasons that you were then leaving, wanting to leave consulting, maybe get into, back into a corporate tech role? Yeah, well, one of the bigger reasons was um, the ability to work on problems that I found really rewarding. Um, you know, as a as a project leader. You know, I had a fair bit of say around the work that I could do from a client perspective, but in that client, there would be a wide range of tasks that you'd work on. And sometimes it would be the exact type of work that you want to be doing. And other times it wouldn't be depending on their needs and, and what projects were won versus competitors, et cetera. So mm -hmm. I think being able to have a better control around the work that I was doing was, was the main reason. And then were there sort of key um, things that you had to had the role had to include or what were the key things you were looking for when you were leaving? Yeah, so for me, it was um, really looking into growth and helping companies um, navigate the ambiguities of, of growth, particularly in the tech space. That, yeah. was, that was what was important for me. Great. And um, Appen, obviously, I've been working with you guys and mm -hmm. a fascinating business. But for those who don't know it as well, can you explain a little bit more about what Appen does as it's not straightforward to, to at first glance to many yeah sure so um we're a provider of uh training data that enables artificial intelligence so most ai uh, applications rely on training data and you can think of these as examples that are given to the um given to the system and they create models and decision making models based on loads and loads of examples for the examples to be useful, you need to provide the data and you need to provide a, 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 um, a set of rules or, sorry, not rules, um, annotations, which is saying, here's what that's contained within the data. So for an example, um, if you have an image and you want to build a um, image recognition system that can identify cats, you need to go and draw a box around um, the cats in each of the image and say, in, within these pixels, there's a cat. Um, as a crude example. So Appen has um, a crowd of over a million people around the world and we work with the largest tech companies um, on the planet to help annotate the data that they use to build their, their core AI models. Amazing. And in, in your opinion, what is the most interesting AI product that Appen has developed so far? Mm -hmm. So there's, I think there's two dimensions to that. So one is um, I'd say the most impactful is we work directly with the largest search um, and social media companies on their core products. So a lot of the data that we're providing is um, directly related to um, the, the core revenue generating products of the biggest, some of the biggest companies on the planet, which is super interesting. 
Um, on the other end of the spectrum around a more innovative product, we did a lot of work in uh, weed identification. Um, so using computer vision uh, for um, looking at crops to identify where there's a weed. And the, the customer had a product where they could identify a weed and use the herbicide just to spray on the weed rather than spraying it across the whole crops. So there was, a, um, I think it was a 90% reduction in the amount of herbicide used. Wow. So it's just like a great story for yeah. Um, humanity. Yeah, fascinating. Mm-hmm. And obviously the world of AI is becoming a hot topic around, around the world, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially for us and our candidates, many looking at furthering their careers in AI um, post-consulting. So what is it, do you think, that makes this, this space so exciting? Mm. I think, as you said, it it's, has the ability to change a lot of what we're doing, right? Um, and, and I think that breadth in the applicability. So AI is going to touch or it does it today and it will continue to touch all of our lives on a daily basis. It's quite tangible. I think it's, um, and it's, it's a new frontier of, of technology. So um, that applicability and that excitement around what the potential is, I think that makes it really compelling. And do you agree that it's a great space to work in? Mm-hmm, absolutely. <laughs> Um, so now that you've had the opportunity to work in a bona fide Aussie tech startup, mm-hmm. do you think that there is room and opportunity in Australia for, for more of these types of companies and, and innovation to be head office here? Yeah, absolutely. And I think we've seen in the past few years some of the great success stories in Aussie tech. Um, you know, Afterpay's, I think I was reading today, they're a top 15 market cap company on the ASX. Uh, Canva doing fantastic well, obviously Atlassian. There's, there's a real groundswell, I think, in um, great tech stories coming out of Australia at, at very large scale also. Yeah. But do you, what do you think of the challenges um, for Australia in, in really taking the lead in tech innovation? Mm. Um, are we properly set up for this? Yeah, I think there's a bit of um, critical mass required around the workforce and people who have the mindset and the experience of working in tech companies. There are some differences um, now, things like how to sell a SaaS platform and recurring revenue, um, so that Salesforce motion, mm. um, even things like financial reporting and how you think, well, operational reporting by looking at, you know, churn and a lot of the SaaS-related metrics that um, I think non-tech businesses typically it's, it's doesn't apply. So that, um, and then, of course, all of the engineering and the operational discipline. So I think that once we get to a bit more of a critical mass where there's people who have that experience, um, we'll have that resource pool that will be a lot easier to call on um, for new startups as they're being built out. Mm. And do you have any, many of the Aussies working abroad? Within Appen? Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of our team work over in the States in particular. I choose to do both. So uh-huh. Great set up, great yeah. that it's set up like that. Um, and do you, what do you see the future of being, you know, an AI? I mean, are we all losing our jobs to, to robots? Um, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think AI is going to, um, it's going to really complement what we do in the, work, in the workplace. Um, AI is very good at um, replicating a lot of the l- lower hanging tasks that we do. So I think that's going to be an obvious part. And then there's going to be the decision-making layer. And I think there's always going to be some level of human um, subjectivity required as an overlay to that. Mm. Um, AI is highly susceptible to bias and, and other 
other um, issues in the decision-making process. Again, it's all related on the, the quality of the training data that's provided. And I think we're a long, a long, long way from getting to a point where um, AI can operate in a, in a largely standalone basis. Mm, that's good to hear. <laughs> um, obviously very useful in certain things mm -hmm. though, but, um, but obviously we get asked from candidates all the time, all levels uh, for mm -hmm. career opportunities in tech businesses, both startup and sort of startup on steroids, which is a bit more, more like Apple. But of course uh -huh. they are limited in Australia from what we, what we see, but um, mm -hmm. What do you feel would really make a management consulting from the top tier, for instance, really attractive to this sector? Um, I mean, what do you look for when you're interviewing for your team? Yeah, so I think, um, I think it's important to note that um, startups really focus on building and selling. Like, they're the two things. And I've been told by a few different people, if, um, you know, if you're not building or you're not selling, Tell us what you're doing. <laughs> so it's, it's how do you think about, um, you know, in a, particularly in a strategy role, supporting those two functions. Yeah. And re removing some of the frictions, um, internal frictions or bringing in insights from um, market and customers for us to be able to build better products and um, make the sales process easier. Mm. And you often find people have to be very hands-on, being doing a number of different things when they're, a tech company is quite small, Mm -hmm. You end up doing a lot of different things you probably didn't intend to do when going in. Yeah, so that, that's spot on. Um, so being very comfortable with ambiguity and um, even problem ambiguity is around, I'm not sure how to solve this, um, but also, you know, you know how to solve it, but there's no data available. So um, decision-making ambiguity, um, it, it's something we face a lot. Mm. And I think it's really, really interesting as, you know, having taken Apple and a couple of other tech firms to, to market previously, I think mm. there's two very different types of responses that I get. One being, oh my God, this tech industry, fantastic, sounds amazing. Um, and we'll sort of do what it takes to get that opportunity and understand about the ambiguity piece. Mm. Um, others are so, um, I suppose, in consulting, you get set promotions, you know, we do this, get promoted. You have a team and they expect to step out and more like you would in a Telstra or someone an ASX and have a big team around them. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's just a different mindset um, going into a business like that. Do you, do you, do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, when I was hired and when I talked to candidates today, I try to be, um, so the, the exec team was very clear with me and I'm very clear with candidates saying, I don't know what you'll be working on in six weeks time. <laughs> it's it's that type of environment and I think you need to trust that the nature of the problems will be of interest to you mm. um, and look at the trajectory of the company if it's a growth trajectory if it's on a growth trajectory you're going to be working on problems around how to how do we grow mm. and if, you know that could be a, a wide variety of different functions in the organization but I think if, if you're interested in that growth mindset and you care less about what you'll be working on, but more the, um, the impact and the influence that you'll have, then that's, that's really compelling. Did you find you had to change? I mean, obviously going from Telstra, a big ASX organization into a Nimble organization like Appen, did you find you had to change the way you communicated with people and the way you approach problems? Um, yeah, absolutely. So teams are a lot smaller. Um, obviously, internally, there's, there's less of the, um, 
there's less stakeholders that you need to deal with. Um, and when you are dealing with people, it's typically more alignment because there's a lot of interaction on a daily basis between people. Mm. Um, and the problems are clearer. Like the, there's a lot of um, problems that we have that we're just working through and solving. Yeah. And it makes sense to everyone. So um, it's not <clears throat> finding a, a problem for the solution in a way, which sometimes can happen in larger companies when there's a lot of people and you know, someone has an idea and they'll try and shop around a, 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 a solution. Here it's okay. Well, what's the next? What's the next big thing we need to work mm-hmm. through? So thinking about um, an ASX organization and an Embraer organization mm-hmm. and having you know you've obviously worked in both. What do you see as the pros and cons of a career in both? If someone's sort of weighing up both opportunities. Yes, yeah, so I think the pros. Um, there's much more ability to have impact. Um, the as you said the. Um, for lack of a better word, politics is, is far less because everyone's typically pointed in the, in the same direction, which is how do we grow the business and how do we take away all of the problems which are inhibiting us from, from growing the business. Um, in terms of some of the cons, I think you pointed it out, there's, there's less certainty. You, there might be less, um, you know, lateral movement opportunities. Um, some of the, yeah. And I think if some of these things like training, which, which I, you know, you can say whether it's a perk or not, but some people really value that, others, mm. others less so. Um, yeah. I think some people are passionate about maybe running big teams and things like that, and that's more likely to probably happen in, in an ASX, I would have thought, than, um, you know, dealing with the day-to-day. You, you have to be it's a, more of a flat structure and, you know, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, but if a strategy consultant is really, really passionate about working in the tech space, what do you think they should know about the reality versus the potential perception? I think you've already covered a bit of this. Um, and what advice would you give them if, if you know, tech was the be-all end or that's what they wanted in their career? I, I think that um, one of the big things is really thinking about that building and selling. They're the core functions. There's not a whole lot of strategy roles in, in tech. It is as a reality. So I would say don't limit yourself to um, a strategy function or, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of biz ops function and even sales as a way to get um, promoted through the organization and, and get a really deep understanding of the customer problems and what you're trying to solve. So yeah. I, I would say take a, a bit of a broader um, or cast a, a a broader net around the types of roles that you might be willing to take on in a, in a more um, early stage startup. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, January, we find many consultants had bonus, had mm-hmm. time with their family at Christmas. They've had time to reflect and they often come to us in January saying they're at a bit of a crossroads and thinking about taking their first step out of consulting. Mm-hmm. Um, they're often spending many hours thinking about what the perfect first role out of consulting would be and often come to us with a, a box of you know, hundreds of things that they want ticked. Mm-hmm. Um, how necessary do you feel it is to tick all the boxes when you're taking your first step out of consulting? Yeah, and I came across this also where, you know, there's, there's terms like, well, you only leave consulting once, make sure it's the right thing. I don't really buy into that. I think um, you need to back your skill set um, and you're never going to have certainty around the perfect role. 
it's always a leap of faith. Um, if you do make the wrong decision, don't stick around too long. Right? Mm. <laughs> I think it's the, you know, something to consider. But, but back yourself, back that um, you're, you're a strong performer and you've got certain skills which are really valuable. It's just about finding that right role where there's a good match between what you can offer and what the organisation needs. Mm. And like you say, I think you can afford a mistake, you know, if it's, Mm-hmm. I think we've seen time and time again, especially with tech companies, actually, where people think the role is going to be one thing and it's very, mm-hmm. very different. Um, and as long as that's a quick mistake, fail fast, so to speak, yeah. um, mm-hmm. I think people can afford a, a mistake, but they need to get the, the next one right. Yep. Um, would you agree? I agree. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ryan, obviously um, on the podcast, we always ask guests for a read, watch, or listen to recommendations. Uh-huh. You know, be it a book or a TED talk or podcast that you pers- that's personally inspired you. Um, do you have any recommendations um, on any of those things? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I'm obsessed with um, the Lex Friedman podcast, F R I D M A N. Um, he's a um, he was from MIT. He works in autonomous vehicles, and he started a podcast uh, focused on AI. Mm-hmm. And it was a it was a great way for me to kind of stay close to the industry, particularly being in Australia. And he's evolved since then and it's become far more philosophical. Um, It's just, it's a wonderful uh, podcast. It's long form, so you need to set aside three hours, um, (laughs) typically. Um, But yeah, it's it's, uh, so interesting, rewarding for me. Right, I'll make a note of that one and I'll share that on uh, on my post um, next week. But um, finally, do you have any other words of advice thinking about the community that you came from? Some mm-hmm. of them are either at the start of their consulting careers or thinking about a transition. Do you have any mm-hmm. words, of, uh, words of wisdom? Yeah, that, so I thought about this and I think it's around getting, really trying in your consulting career to focus on getting some of those basics right. Don't worry too much about all of the um, external noise figure out how to tell a story, figure out how to influence people, um, learn from people within the organisation who do that really well because there's no doubt lots of them and they do it different ways and find your voice and the way that fits best for you. Yeah. And I think if you can do that and you can take that with you throughout your career, you'll be really successful. Very wise words, Ryan. Well, thank you so much for joining on the Strategy Bites podcast and uh, we'll be catching up soon, no doubt. Great. Thanks, Annika. Thanks, Ryan. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Strategy Bites podcast, bringing strategy career advice to the market. But please do remember that first and foremost, Oaktree Talent is a specialist strategy and transformation recruitment agency. So if you're a top tier consultant or want to hire excellent strategy capability, please get in touch.